Charlie. Mark one, Charlie. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm full of optimism. Einstein's theory of relativity. And we're still seeing it quite well through that haze. Like 37 seconds. The fight is growing. E equals MC. That all men are created equal. About the future innovation and growing strength in the air. This is Finding Your Frequency with your hosts, Jeff Spinard and Ryan Treasure. It's time to speak up, share your voice, and hear from the thought leaders. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a fantastic episode of Finding Your Frequency. I want to welcome everybody to the show this week. And, uh, you know, we are continuing to live in some extremely interesting times. Um, I think I've kind of been avoiding the news, which is not the best thing. But at the same time, it's helping me keep my sanity. As you know, uh, all of us have been kind of cooped up because of COVID-19 since about February. And uh, things are just kind of uh, ramping up and down and up and down. It's almost like a roller coaster ride. Uh, so a lot of times you just don't know what to expect. And so I just wanted to take a few minutes and, and just have a conversation around, you know, some of these things that we're seeing and how it's affecting people's well-being, their relationships, their mental health. Um, you know, all of those types of topics. And so that's why we have a fantastic guest with us today, uh, Dr. Abby Lev, and she's going to discuss, uh, you know, some, some of these things around psychotherapy and how some of those uh, teletherapy services and some of those mental health needs have really kind of gone up in the last several months. And, you know, what are some of the reasons behind that? And of course, uh, you know, just have a candid conversation about the state of the way that things are. So I want to welcome Dr. Abby Lev to the show. Welcome. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. I appreciate you being on with us. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure that you've been extremely busy over the last several months. Uh, I know that you just launched your CBTonline.com. Uh, you've got a lot of cool stuff in the works. And then, of course, uh, being an active psychotherapist, I'm sure you're you know, still out there kind of, I guess, for lack of a better term, in the trenches helping folks out uh, when they, when they you know, have that need for your services. So uh, I want to stick true to the subject matter of the radio show, Finding Your Frequency, and we can get into some of those other components, I think, here a little bit later in the conversation. But first, I want to set the tone for the audience, and um, I want you to just let the audience know who you are. How did you find your frequency in life and in business? And you know, what was that aha moment for you where you said, you know what, I'm going to be a psychotherapist? Because I don't think... You know, when you're a five or six or seven year old young person, do you go, I'm, I'm going to be a therapist. I'm going to be a psychotherapist. Uh, you know, I think that there's uh, probably a great story behind, you know, why people get into, uh, you know, types of uh, industry where, you know, they're of service to other folks, you know, uh, whether it be a, being a doctor or a psychotherapist or what have you. But, you know, a lot of times we find that there's an interesting story of uh, what is the driver behind people who decide to go and do that. So. Dr. Abby Lev, please tell us how you found your frequency. Yeah, you know, I'm in a helping profession. So often when people ask me why I became a therapist, they're expecting a very selfless response. But in reality, I got into this field for in the beginning for very selfish reasons. I was feeling depressed. I was feeling a sense of kind of what is the meaning of life and what what does all this matter and uh what what makes what gives people purpose or a sense of fulfillment and meaning and 
um, and not knowing the answers to, to these things, I just started taking different classes like philosophy and sociology and psychology and just really wanting to understand humans and human behavior and what, what drove people, what made people happy because I wanted to be happy. Um, and so I, I kind of ended up enjoying a lot of my psychology classes and, and learning about what drives human beings and human behavior and kind of just having fun in the classes. And so I kind of moved forward with that. I think that my aha moment was when I was reading this book by Viktor Frankl. Um, it's called The Doctor and the Soul. And Viktor Frankl actually wrote met most of his books while he was in Auschwitz in a concentration camp uh, in, in World War II. And he had a couple of chapters in this book, The Doctor and the Soul. There was a chapter on the meaning of life, the meaning of death, the meaning of love, the meaning of work, and the meaning of suffering. And the chapter on the meaning of suffering was one of my, I, I think, my all-time favorite things I've ever read. And so, and there was an intervention there that he did that I just found to be so beautiful. And looking back, that was my aha moment. I, I read this intervention that he did, and I was like, I, I need to be a therapist. This is phenomenal. Uh, it was also a moment of realizing that, um, you know, uh, in, in reading the, the chapter on the meaning of suffering, that that there is that that life is meaningful not just because of the happy moments but that actually moments of uh, trauma and difficulty, right, and distress, such as what we're going through right now in the world, right, yeah, that moments of crises could bring about a lot of sense of meaning and purpose and tell you what you're about and what you want your life to be about um, and, and make space for this idea of post-traumatic growth. Right, like we could have a trauma, we could either move yep. towards post-traumatic stress or post-traumatic growth. Right. No, I right. Love, I love the way that you put that. And uh, you know, we we we've had these conversations before on the show about post-traumatic growth, and you know, there there's always this mantra of you have to step outside of your comfort zone in order to grow, right, and to become more than what you are. And I think every time that you have a scenario, especially in life, that's you know, take take your job and that kind of stuff kind of out of it, but you know, you're living your life with you know, family, friends, dealing with, you know, emotional things, children, all those types of things. And um, I think a lot of times, yeah, you're literally faced with that choice, right? When when you have something that happens to you, you have the choice of, is it post-traumatic stress as or post-traumatic growth? And when you get to that, I guess, fork in the road with your, with your, you know, emotions, with your internal being, you've got to make that decision. And I think all too often people take the path of least resistance with is, which is post-traumatic stress. And, you know, because that's easier than going on the post-traumatic growth cycle. But at the same time, I think, uh, the more times that you're presented with that fork in the road, um, again, you're, you're putting yourself through that, you know, outside the comfort zone. And so the more you do that, I think the more you're able to move towards post-traumatic growth. And then, you know, just talking about, uh, you know, suffering, right. Uh, I feel like the generation that came out of world war two 
It's probably like one of the best generations of mentally sound, strong, mm-hmm. you know, human beings, right? And it, right. and you know, when you think about that, right? Or when I think about it, I'm always like, you know, they went through like some crazy stuff. You know, uh, you know, if you were stateside World War II, you're rationing gas. You know, uh, people at, at factories and all that are all just hyper focused on this war effort. You know, uh, but I think a lot of that environment that those folks were in at that time has helped kind of, you know, create who they were, which would be like my grandparents. Um, and it's just amazing to see kind of the growth that can happen in some of those spaces. And, you know, as much as I know that we're dealing with, you know, uh, increase in, in mental health needs, increase in uh, uh, domestic violence and some of those things with all this crazy time. I think there's also going to be something beautiful that will come out of this for humanity as we all have had to been forced to spend more time with our family and our, you know, loved ones. And, you know, I have, I, I have a daughter and, you know, uh, we've all, all become closer because of this, right? Because it's like, hey, no, you can't go, you know, uh, do a, sleep over at your friend's house, you know, that kind of thing. And so having those conversations and, 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 and being around those, um, I think for me specifically has been post-traumatic growth. Um, but I see a lot of people who are down and, you know, they, you know, posting on Facebook, how this is affecting them, they've, whether they've lost their job or, or whatever. Um, so let's, let's, let's speak to that portion of this. You know, if you, if you're dealing with the post-traumatic stress, um, how do you deal with that in a safe and healthy manner? Um, and how do you turn it into post-traumatic growth? Yeah, I think a. I don't think it's. I don't think it's either or, right? Like the person that's both growing from it is still feeling stress from it, and the person that's feeling stress from it may still grow from it. So it's it's not either or. Um, and even okay. if we're doing a lot of growth, it doesn't mean that we're not feeling really stressed. It's a very stressful time. Uh, so I, I I do want to acknowledge that um, there there is a lot of pain and suffering and. and ungroundedness right now unpredictability yeah Yeah. and even though the world is always unpredictable like in reality we can always just die um that we we, (laughs) there's a way that we've we're kind of defended against it when we don't have a global pandemic that reminds us of our own mortality like every moment um that's why i stopped watching the news (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> well, it's and, and that's a really great example because part of making it through a trauma is being able to have this really good balance between avoiding versus not avoiding. Mm-hmm. If, if you look at the DSM criteria for post-traumatic stress disorder, the hallmark of, of this disorder is actually avoidance, right? So, for example, if I have a trauma at McDonald's, I go to McDonald's, I get held up at gunpoint in McDonald's, then what happens is after that, I feel upset and triggered by McDonald's. I may then avoid going to that McDonald's or going to any McDonald's. I then may start avoiding um, seeing French fries. I may avoid Wendy's. I may avoid Burger King. I may avoid burgers. I may avoid uh, Coca-Cola if that's what I drink. And so you have to really be thinking about that avoidance is part of uh, having this disorder manifest and get bigger and bigger. So after a trauma, it makes sense to be protective of ourselves, but then we have to go back. We have to see the McDonald's, we have to face it. We, you know, uh, PTSD, uh, the, the, the way that it gets developed is in our attempts to avoid the thoughts, feelings, sensations, and memories of the trauma. 
And so part of that work is helping people not completely dissociate and start avoiding and being afraid of everything and becoming hypervigilant, but starting to face their fears, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, Starting to face it and become stronger when facing it and noticing that it won't kill you. Yeah, I think I think you make a good point, and I guess I, I guess uh, your your explanation of that really helped me to understand how one can be in a, a status of post traumatic stress and turn that into growth, right? You're like, you know, you have your stressors, and then, you know, little by little, you can start, you know, adding or incorporating some of those things that you are avoiding to try to build up and towards towards growth. So I, I love that example, and I think I think you're right with keeping some kind of a balance. And you know, for me specifically, you know, and I, I don't think I have PTSD or anything because of this whole COVID thing. But I do, I I have to keep a balance with it because um, A, I work in the news media. So um, every single day of my life, I walk into my studio here in Phoenix um, and I have press releases like you wouldn't believe through my, in my my inbox through PR Newswire or other outlets that we work with, you know, that are, are, you know, every doctor in the world who has their own, you know, spin on COVID-19 and all that. And then, you know, other companies that are talking about economic data and this and all that and if you if you get too consumed with that information it's really easy to just go you know like almost to a state of depression because it's constant you know negative things even when you watch like regular news i I turned on the news this morning for just a second i'm like i just want to know what the weather's like right because it's you know we're (laughs) the middle of summer here in phoenix like and i'm like is it going to be 105 or 115 today Mm -hmm. you know and And it's not even possible anymore right it's not even possible just to get the weather anymore (laughs) no you can't even go on the weather channel app without seeing statistics for covid19 and i'm like I get it that it's bad. I don't need you guys to tell me, you know, every single day there's 2,000 cases today, then there was 1,800 cases yesterday, and they just keep, you know, negative after negative after negative. I'm like, tell me about antibody tests and people who have been cured. Like, if if the state of Arizona had 40,000 cases, how many of those people didn't die? How many of those people, you know, survived that? And let's, you know, change the narrative a little bit. I think it's just, it's kind of crazy. It's uh, interesting. And and, and yeah, I've I've had to find a a fine line of uh, keeping myself engaged in certain areas and disengaged in others. Um, And I think staying engaged is like, you know, it's educational. I'm, I'm, I'm staying in the know. Uh, in the now, but I think other people who may deal with things a little bit differently, it's, I think it's quite easy for someone to, you know, make a left-hand turn instead of a right-hand turn, you know? Yeah, you're speaking of flooding, right? We're being flooded and inundated with this information. And it is a balancing act because you do want to know what's going on. You don't want to be walking around without a mask and then catching this this uh, very, very dangerous virus. But you also don't want to be so out of control, right, that like um, information is coming at you in all moments when you're not prepared for it, right? So it's like you're, you're making the point for why it's important for us to be more cognizant and mindful, for example, of our technology, to not be opening our phone maybe an hour before we go to sleep, right? Um, or, or that we're, when we're watching the news, maybe thinking about when we're watching the news and for how long we're watching the news and being more mindful about yeah. how we're taking in this information. It's a balancing act. Yeah, no, it definitely is. Are you having trouble finding hand sanitizer? Well, Spa Treat has you covered. There's no need to go searching high and low. Just visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and place your order on their easy to use website. On schedule delivery. 
One of the great things about this product, Spa Treat Fulfillment Team is working around the clock to provide people hand sanitizer during this time of need and get your order to you as quickly as possible, even faster than Amazon. Spa Treat also has the lowest price of any of its competitors. Spa Treat has 62% alcohol content and the FDA recommends between 60 to 80 for maximum protection. This one has 62 because it doesn't dry your hands out. I use this stuff every single day. It is fantastic. It's got certified organic extracts with the ingredients in that hand sanitizer that are of the highest quality and they're designed to leave your hands smelling and feeling fresh while protecting you at the same time. The best part, there's no tricky residue left over. None. None of that sticky stuff. Four scents available, unscented, tea tree, lavender, and lemon. And best of all, this product right here is made in the good old United States of America. A lot of companies are having trouble dealing with the current demands, so Spa Treat has dedicated themselves to providing a much-needed product in the time of crisis. Spa Treat has better prices, faster shipping, and a larger supply than any of their competition. There isn't even a close second. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and enter promo code SPA SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. That's right. Not only are they offering the lowest price available, but they're also offering our listeners a discount. This promo code is exclusive to Voice America and only our listeners get this discount. Spa Tree and Voice America came together on this sponsorship in order to provide Americans something they could really need right now. Peace of mind. Visit SpaTreatOfficial.com and order yours today. That's SpaTreatOfficial.com and make sure you use the promo code SPA at checkout to receive 5% off your entire order. SpaTreatOfficial.com. Get your awesome hand sanitizer. Me being in the media, there's a huge difference between the news you see in the morning and the news you see in like primetime 9, 9, 10 p.m., right? Um, that 9 10, 9, 10 p.m. stuff tends to have, um, you know, a little bit more, you know, negativity to it or uh, I don't want to say necessarily negativity but it's like the day's events you know you're hearing about okay you have the you know oh it's the end of the day we've had this many more cases or uh, you know uh, whatever the case may be you know there could be car accidents there could be robberies or you know crimes that have been committed throughout the day and you know yeah for me specifically that's like the last thing I want to think about when I'm trying to go to bed so (laughs) last night it was really funny I was I got we got home it was Father's Day um you know we're recording this on the 22nd uh, so yesterday was the 21st on Father's Day and you know uh, we got home and it was like eight o'clock and you know my daughter we put she goes to bed she's six so she goes to bed at eight o'clock and I'm like all right well what am I gonna do and I'm like I don't really want to read a book um I was like I don't really want to watch the news and so I just found a movie to watch and I was like so I just watched something completely old school, random, and nothing related to anything. I watched the original Karate Kid, you know, uh, which was always a feel-good story of, you know, accomplishment and such. And I think I think you have to do that sometimes to set the tone for, uh, you know, your mental status, you know, to wind down and be able to not be, uh, you know, overwhelmed with thoughts or, or those types of things. And I think everybody deals with it differently. I'm a pretty strong-minded guy, but I, I have I have instances where I just can't shut my brain off sometimes at night and I'm thinking about what if, what's going on tomorrow, tomorrow which is, you know, uh, some anxiety that's deep down within that manifests right. itself from time to time. But yeah, and I, I don't know some, I don't know how other people deal with that. I mean, uh, my wife has a hard time dealing with anxiety as it relates to current events and certain things. And she's, you know, very much avoiding some of those things, but at the same time, she still wants to know. So it's like, I'll tell her the information so she doesn't have to consume it herself. Right. I mean, right now in cognitive behavioral therapy, it's very popular to use certain techniques like mindfulness, 
uh, mindful meditation or even self-compassion meditations where we're learning to kind of watch the thoughts and let's our, let our thoughts go and not get hooked by our thoughts and, and the storyline behind the thoughts, but coming back to the sensations in our body, coming back to the breath, coming back to the present moment, and really making a lot of space for difficult feelings, for difficult sensations. And, uh, you know, one good metaphor for thinking about self-compassion and we're cultivating a way of relating to our internal experiences. So it's kind of like if you have a crying baby and that baby is very loud, if you're trying to push that crying baby away, like, I don't want to hear it, it's so loud, and you want to move it away from you, the baby will cry louder and louder. And that's the same thing with our experiences and our emotions and our sensations and our feelings. And so mindfulness and self-compassion is about kind of learning how to relate to ourselves as a crying baby and bringing it closer and holding it gently and being really loving and kind with it and going, of course, this is scary. And you're feeling really helpless right now. And you're, you're feeling afraid and, and, oh, it makes sense to feel angry right now. It makes sense to feel powerless. It makes sense to need a level of predictability. So there's this way that we're bringing our pain uh, closer. We're softening up to it and we're treating it with loving kindness and gentleness and speaking to it, you know, like, like a baby with a lot of love. And, and we're validating that it makes sense that we feel this way and we're labeling feelings and we're labeling needs. And so uh, a lot of the more recent CBT techniques are about helping us learn a lot of the, there's a lot of metaphors and exercises that help us relate to our internal experiences in, in a different way. So basically to paraphrase, instead of stepping away from those moments, you need to step into them and, you know, allow them to kind of be at the surface so you can uh, categorize them or whatever terminology you want to use, prioritize them even. Uh, right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think there's probably some people that are there. It's easier for some people to do that than other people. Right. Not everybody is able to just be like, oh, I'm stepping right into my feelings. <laughs> I want to say that, that that's true. It's easier for some than others, but I will say that it's hard for everyone. Like there wouldn't be so many self-help books. There wouldn't be so many <laughs> right, apps for mindfulness if this came easy to us. So in reality, our brains are evolutionarily designed to constantly be finding fear, right? To be protecting ourselves, to go, I see a lion, this lion has teeth. This lion just ate my caveman friend. And now I, I don't want to... Now this bear looks like this lion, this wolf looks like a lion, right? We start connecting these things, right, in order to protect us. And that was really beneficial for us as cavemen. But now, you know, now that we actually have societies and we're no longer running from lions, this is no longer helpful to us. We just see lions everywhere and we really have to train our minds not to do that. And mindfulness is not about staying with the storyline, right? It's not about trying to figure something out or fix it. It's not about going, you know, is there a line? Is there not a line? Did Am I anxious? Did I have too much coffee? Did I not have enough coffee? Is it because of my job? Is it because of COVID? Is it, right? It's not about figuring something out. It's about staying with an experience, dropping the story and coming back to um, your, your experience in, in your body. Yeah, so like exploring the present the present tense, what's happening now, and not thinking about the what if, what could haves, what should be's. 
<laughs> right. And, and, you know, I think that a big a big thing that I think is misunderstood is when people think about mindfulness, they think about it kind of like a, a, a sitting Buddha, you know, somebody who's just kind of mindful, whereas I see mindfulness as a means to an end. So I think about it as a walking Buddha. It's like I'm not I'm not practicing mindfulness for the purpose of just feeling good. The goal of mindfulness is not to feel good. The goal of mindfulness is to be able to tolerate and notice and accept and stay with difficult internal experiences because the better we are at doing that, the more freedom we have over our choices, over our behaviors. So yeah. if I'm triggered at a nine out of 10, I'm going straight to autopilot behaviors. I'm just like, you know, if I'm angry, I'm yelling. If I'm, you know, uh, scared, I'm running. You know, we're in fight or flight. Mindfulness, the more that we're able to kind of stay with these internal experiences, provides us the freedom to then be able to act in accordance with our values, what we want to be about, what we want to stand for. It, it's a means to an end. It's not a feel-good solution. It's not about relaxing. It's about noticing that there's behaviors that we do um, that end up making our situations worse and yeah. end up creating the same patterns in our relationships and the same self-fulfilling prophecies. And the more willingness we have to have the difficult experiences, the more ability we have to choose new behaviors. You guys have to check out this new service that I'm playing around with called Issue. It is totally amazing. You live to create, but you don't live to worry over the last nitpicky details involved in putting final touches on contact. You got to do what you do best and let Issue handle the rest. If you're a creative, you know the drill. You're finally done editing. It's perfect. Now you just need format and reformat for every single platform. With Issue, make it once and it's ready to post everywhere. Seriously, Issue is the all-in-one platform to create and distribute beautiful digital publications from brochures to magazines and sales collateral. It's perfect for creators, marketers, designers, educators, publishers, salespeople, or just anyone that wants to make eye-catching content that can be distributed on multiple platforms. Issue makes it really simple. Just upload the PDFs and files and Issue transforms them using your vision and customizable templates to create the content you want. With Issue, you just create it one time and distribute it everywhere. Everything is optimized to post on your website, social platforms like Instagram and Facebook. They can even help you make animated Instagram stories. And the best part about it, it is free. F-R-E-E free. That's right. It's free to get started with Issue. So go to issue.info slash frequency to sign up for your free account. That's I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency to sign up and let them know that you heard about it from this show, Finding Your Frequency. Remember, that's dot info, not dot com, dot info. So go to I-S-S-U-U dot info slash frequency and get your free account today. For me, um, we talk a, a lot about mindfulness when it comes to martial arts, right? There's... You know, there's a mind and body connection. You know, I was, I was talking to my uh, mom about this yesterday. We were over at her house celebrating the Father's Day, you know. And I said, one of the things I love about martial arts is, you know, it, it, it's not just a, you know, let me get strong arms and legs and know how to punch and kick. You know, there's this whole cognitive mindfulness of when you are practicing martial arts. It's not just like, hey, I'm kicking. It's why am I kicking? How am I kicking? Right. Um, and you're and you're being very mindful. Um, you know, that's the, you know, my mind and my body work together has come one of the mantras of karate and um and so you 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 can kind of paraphrase that into what you were saying right is, is that mindfulness um it took me a long time to understand that especially with uh, a six with a, with a young daughter right um 
I'm I'm former military. Uh, you know, my my life is very like. I get up when the alarm clock goes off. I'm in the shower by a certain time. I have everything very regimented. That's who I am. My daughter's the complete opposite. She's she's total like creative Virgo, you know, um, and I have to be very careful how I approach uh, talking with her because I will go on autopilot, right? And, I'm, and I get mad and I start to elevate my voice, right? And I've had to really back up uh, in that respect and be mindful and saying, wait a minute, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, my father was in the military too. Right. So it's like, I don't want to, I don't want to continue this. Right. I need right. to be mindful of those uh, times where I go on autopilot and take a step back for just a second to assess, like you said, what are my values? What do I really want out of this? Uh, and, then, right. and then, and then, and then re-engage with the communication of what um, we need to do, whether it is inappropriate behavior that we're trying to correct. Um, I don't want to, I don't want to, uh, try to correct inappropriate behavior with other inappropriate with, behavior. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> and, you know, I, I want to say, like you were speaking about uh, the interesting times that were around World War II. And I, I actually think that right now is a very similar time to that time. Um, and so it's interesting to, to think about mm -hmm. it that way. Um yeah, yeah, you're right. It's very, very similar. I mean, in World War II, uh, you know, I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go e economic on this a little bit here, but um, the supply chain to a United States of America was very difficult in those times, right? Same thing has happened to us now. Our supply chain um, has depended on, you know, and I'm not getting political. This is just a fact. Um, has depended <laughs> has depended on China for a long time, right? And so, like, you know, you go to the store, there's all kinds of things that you purchase that are made in China. Even your PlayStation that's from a Japanese company, right? Whatever it is, they're all, you know, manufactured there. And, you know, when you sever those supply lines and you're starting to have to, you know, say, oh, wait a minute, I... I Beef. I, I went to the store the other day and I was like, I'm going to buy some ground beef. And it was like $9 a pound. And I was like, what is going on? Right. And so all of these things that we've kind of taken for granted um, throughout the last several years as Americans, some of that stuff is not available to us. Right. And we're having to learn to live in a different era, learn to live with, you know, the lack of one or two things that might have been uh, normal to have. Uh, and so when you correlate now versus World War II, I mean, other than the fact that we're not currently at war, which is, you know, very crazy, um, the economic implications and the supply chain implications are very, very similar. Right. I think also the existential implications and the humanism implications are are similar as well. Uh, yeah, the, yeah. the ways that we're very uh, divided right now and polarized and um, yeah, a lot of the writings that people were writing about because um, Viktor Frankl wrote during that time uh, and he talked about existentialism and meaning and uh, uh, Buber wrote uh, during that time and he, he wrote, he, wrote, he discussed uh, the idea of um, uh, relationships and people not treating people as a means to an end but as an end in and of themselves he talked about the I-thou relationship versus the I-it relationship when we treat others as an it as opposed to a, a, an, 
a separate, independent, subjective human. And we can even have an it-it relationship where we don't we see even ourselves as a means to an end, which I think with technology and online dating and right-clicking on human beings, we're, we're, we're really at, at a very similar place where a lot of people wrote about these mechanisms like um, uh, Eric Fromm, uh, has a book called uh, Escape from Freedom, where he talks about how a, 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 a society is more vulnerable to a fascist regime when they have too much freedom, when there's just so many choices, so much to choose from, that they're actually more vulnerable to a dictatorship, is they're needing those limitations. And so it's interesting that we're, there's, we are at a very interesting time where we are feeling like means to an end or like we're in it-it relationships and we're seeking uh, kind of deeper connections with one another and not to be kind of dehumanized, right, or made into like a commodity that we just click next, next, right? (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) and and honestly, I think that what you just described is, you know, a lot of, um, I think the ideas behind, you know, a lot of the protests and things that are happening around the country right. too. Like people, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna say anybody's movement, right? Everybody has a right to their own everything. But I think just from looking at it from 50,000 foot, no matter what you believe, you know, people are sick and tired of, you know, maybe whether it be the government or large businesses, big pharma, whatever you want to call, it, like looking at right. all of us as, as, you know, numbers or dollars and cents or, or, you know, like you said that it, it, right. Uh, because we're like, wait a minute, I'm a human. And, and then you start right. thinking about, you know, the the implications of, uh, you know, data capture through all of the different technologies. And, you know, these companies have a portfolio on you of the things that you buy, the where the places that you go, yeah. you know, all of those types of things. And then, you know, at that point, you no longer become a human in their eyes. It's just like a, you know, a marketing number to be able to hit, yeah. you know, whatever your de facto it is. And, you know, whether it's uh, in large business or economics or even in, you know, uh, um, you know, American society and cultural with people having relationships with each other, I think there's, you know, some of those issues as well that are are being addressed as we're also going through a pandemic which is uh, extremely challenging because you know you want to say uh, let's get so- let's get outside of our comfort zone to make some uh, uh, choices on whether we're going to you know grow or you know uh, 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 you know maybe sink in a little bit before we're able to grow but you know I think we have an opportunity right now as a human race to really um, change the narrative right? Uh, right, I've, right. I've been feeling this for a long time too for you know the last couple of years I just feel like uh, humanity is 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 growing as a whole and it's kind of like uh, what's 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 the analogy um, you can't you can't grow without some disruption first right it's all you, you have to have uh, some some type of a disruption to cause an event of growth uh, and I feel like this is kind of that thing for us as human beings, because you see all of these things taking place, not just here in the United States, but um, in other countries where people are fed up with, you know, being an it, as you like to put it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think when, when you were talking about being at this fork in the road as well, uh, I agree. It feels like we're at a, a fork in a road and it is, it's an opportunity. And I don't know, I don't know whether it's going to go in a more positive direction or in a more negative direction or or both or, you know, one before the other. I, I don't have the answers, but certainly I agree with you. The word is opportunity. 
Um, and, and I think we're all wanting and needing some change. And when you said that we have a choice, you know, I think that Viktor Frankl, the, the guy that wrote this book, the, the Doctor of the Soul, which is based on existential psychology, you know, he talks about it in the sense of attitudinal values. Like when, like we're free to choose our values, but when we're in a circumstance where we no longer have the freedom to do that, like if we're in a concentration camp or a prison <laughs> and I don't have the freedom to actualize certain values, like being creative or like talking to you right now, or right, like um, going to work or doing the things that matter, we always have a freedom to choose our attitude. Our attitudinal values could never be taken away from us regardless of the circumstance that we're in because we always have the freedom in any circumstance that we're in even if we're in prison and all our rights are taken away to choose the attitude that we have do we want to be selfish do we want to be angry do we want to be kind do we want to be loving uh yeah and don't, so, don't let your emotions dictate your actions right yeah. right we can always choose how we're going to respond to a situation that's completely out of our control. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's funny that you bring that up. This is like an ever, ever going conversation between me and my wife and our six year old right now. As she's, she's growing from that space of being like a toddler, like a little girl into being, you know, a, you know, a child and moving into her adolescence, you know, as she goes yeah. from like, you know, seven to four, 12 or 13 or whatever that you know range is and you know it's she's starting to understand like i have these emotions and you know uh, uh, i have to clean my room and it's like honey let me let me tell you there's there's these things just that you have to do you know and keeping up after yourself and you know taking care of yourself and learning those life skills are extremely important i'm not going to wait until you're 13 years old to teach you that <laughs> you know we gotta, right, we gotta right. work on this now uh and yeah it's it's it, there's so much emotional so much attitude that goes into that and you know trying to you know harness that into positivity is sometimes a challenge as a dad too <laughs> yeah yeah she's becoming more of an autonomous person right uh, more yeah. herself and who she is and uh again everything is a balance a balance of allowing her to be who she is and also recognizing the limitations that we all have like yeah. having to clean our room <laughs> <laughs> yeah i always use that one just as an example because you know it's like hey will you go clean your room and her immediately goes eh, i don't want to do that you know, and it's like, hey, I know, I know. I'm, like, I'm, I'm an like, old lady, and I I'm still like, I don't feel wanna, that way. <laughs> I do, that's what I'm saying. I'm like, the difference is, is I don't allow my emotions to dictate my <clears throat> actions, right? So you don't. Right. I may say in my head, I don't want to do that, but you're not going to see me have a physical reaction to my, you know, emotion. You know, which is one of the things I'm trying to teach her. Like, it's okay to have emotions, but like, you can't lash out at everything every time you have an emotion. Like. You know, we, we, we'd all be nuts if we did that. You know, there there has to be some kind of containment or control. I'm not saying don't be emotional or don't have emotions, but, you know, at the same time, you've got to uh, be able to internalize that and, and work on that stuff with yourself and, and be able to, you know, move on. <laughs> well, I think the very interesting piece about this is that the more the more we allow for different emotions and thoughts and internal experiences the more control we have because we're not trying to control our feelings we're not trying to control our thoughts we're not trying to control our sensations we're only controlling our behaviors yep. behaviors are very easy to control um, emotions and thoughts uh, are 
pretty much out of our control. Yeah, I mean, I get super emotional about lots of different things. Uh, Father's Day is a perfect example. Like, you know, my father's not here anymore. My father's been mm. uh, my father's been gone for over 20 years. And still to this day on Father's Day, even though I am a father, I still can't help to have some, you know, emotions in that space. And it just it is what it is. But you're not going to also find me crying in the corner on Father's Day and not, you know, being part of my family and being available and, and, and that type of thing. Right. Sure. I have those emotions, but I'm not I'm not that I'm not allowing those emotions to change my, you know, my behavior patterns or the way that I'm you know physically going about the day. Um, not that I don't have those. I mean, I think I think everybody is human beings like at the core of who humanity is. I mean, we're um, like emotions are part of, you know, our DNA. That's, you know, part of, I think what drives people in certain circumstances, you know, um, if you have an emotion towards one thing, does that make you grow? Does that make you go and seek out some, you know, higher learning components to be able to deal with those emotions or, um, you know, a lot of emotions are what's why entrepreneurs start gigantic businesses and do stuff in their garage. You know, they had a feeling about something and, uh, that feeling then gave birth to an idea, which then, you know, boom, now there's Google. Yeah. Right. Well, that's why I started CBT online, right? I started CBT online because I wanted people to have access to cognitive behavioral therapy and I wanted people to have access to uh, therapists. And I actually think that right now um, the tech field is is kind of encroaching on our field and there are certain companies like uh, BetterHelp and Talkspace that I find to be quite exploitive. Uh, they're not really hiring psychologists that are um, effective. Uh, they're, 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 they're not hiring psychologists with particular credentials. They're not training their psychologists. Sometimes they've hired people that are not even licensed. Uh, they're paying psychologists uh, very, very low fees. And so um, uh, the, the, uh, the, the standard for the therapeutic services that people are getting are, is getting diluted. And so with CBTonline.com, I want to ensure that we're doing effective cognitive behavioral therapy and you're going to be working with therapists who are experts in cognitive behavioral therapy and you'll be matched with somebody that is a good fit for you. Um, and it's, again, you're not a number. You're, there isn't an algorithm that will find you the best fit. You know, uh, You'll actually talk to a human being who understands behavioral therapy, who understands what's going on with you, and who will find you a, a fit that works for you for your unique situation and your particular needs. And also, there's lots of free resources and questionnaires so that if you can't afford therapy, you could still have all of the resources that you need to do your own therapy on yourself, to self-help, you know, and, and, and learn skills and, and, and still do those, uh, the, learn those skills and do those techniques on your own. Oh, that's awesome that you have tools for that because you're, you know, there are a lot of people that, you know, maybe don't have health insurance that covers um, the type of mental health that the uh, mental health care that they need. And so that's great that there's some free tools uh, for people to kind of uh, review. And I wouldn't say self-diagnose, but um, uh, right. <laughs> hey, everybody, I wanted to tell you about this great shaving product that I've been using lately. Not only is it awesome. It will save you money, enough to buy 26 cups of coffee in New York City or three deep dish pizza dinners in Chicago. Harry's is an awesome product. 
It delivers high-quality razor blades as low as $2 each, a fraction of the price of leading brands, and saving you hundreds of dollars at the same time. I really like the way that Harry's works. It has a very close shave, it's got a great design for the handle, and also the scent of the shave gel is fantastic and it leaves your skin nice and smooth. You can get a trial set delivered to your doorstep by going to harrys.com forward slash frequency. Quality, durable blades at a fair price, just two bucks a blade. They've cut out middlemen manufacturing blades in their German blade factory that's been honing precision blades for a century. I'm telling you, I use this product and it is absolutely amazing. Harry's has all your grooming needs covered in just one stop. You can get blades, hair care, shower products, all on harrys.com. And just like their blades, Harry is committed to providing premium products without breaking the bank. Again, visit harrys.com forward slash frequency. I want to make sure that everybody gets the chance to to go check it out. You can feel better too about the purchase because 1% of their proceeds are set aside for nonprofit organizations developed to helping provide access to better mental health care for men and veterans. How could you not get behind the veterans? So important nowadays. Listeners of the show can redeem their Harry's trial set at harrys.com forward slash frequency. You'll get a weighted ergonomic handle for a firm grip, five blade razor with a lubricating strip and a trimmer blade. I use it every day. Rich lathering shave gel with aloe to keep your skin hydrated. And I'm telling you, when you get done shaving, your face will feel so smooth. It's amazing. You even get a travel blade cover to keep your razors dry and easy to grab on the go. So make sure you go to harrys.com dot com forward slash frequency to start shaving and saving today. You can be undiagnosed, but still be making strides to be better manager of who you are internally, right? <laughs> right. You you don't need a diagnosis to understand yourself. Like you don't have to have depression or anxiety. You could notice, for example, that you have perfectionism, right? Um, <laughs> or or that you um, you know are, are like tend to kind of feel guilty and, and, and not assert yourself, right? So you could still be able to diagnose what you need to learn. Do you need to learn assertiveness skills? Do you need to learn more self-compassion skills? Uh, do you need to learn more about not procrastinating, for example, and prioritizing and uh, moving forward on, on your goals? What are, And so uh, on this website, you know, we have all of that. You could take a questionnaire and see what issues you have. We have videos and worksheets for you to fill out and you know it's authentic cognitive behavioral therapy and um and it is my passion to make sure that you know people are getting the right therapy and an effective therapist and not um and not be a number right not just this I, this crazy idea with talk space that you could just do texting therapy a therapy is a very interpersonal uh, intimate experience. It isn't an algorithm, you know, yeah. <laughs> it should never be an algorithm. <laughs> no, that's a really good point And something I, I wholeheartedly believe as well. I mean, you can't, there's, there's no way that a computer screen and, you know, some, uh, preordained, uh, funnels or whatever, right. As you right. follow through, <laughs> like, there's no way that that's going to help you. You have to, uh, again, emotions are of strictly human based, component right i'm sure that animals also have emotion as well but i'm just saying like as as being a human being i mean we're an emotional being i there's no way i'm ever going to get over an emotional or traumatic item without talking to another human being about my traumatic item or my emotions right <laughs> right right and 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 it's a it's a it, dual process I impact you and you impact me and we're in and you know I get impacted by my clients they change my life like I change theirs it's 
a very intimate process therapy, you know? Um, And so it's, it's important to make sure that we're giving effective treatment. Sometimes, you know, there's certain therapies are worse than not having therapy at all. Like you spoke earlier about domestic violence. Couples therapy is a great example where if you have a therapist that is not effective, that doesn't stop the uh, maladaptive behaviors or the harmful behaviors that are happening in the moment allows that to go on for too long without stopping it and teaching skills and practicing skills in those moments, it actually makes things worse rather than better. Yeah, that, I definitely agree with that. You've, you've got to be able to, you know, have that. I don't know. I th- and honestly, I think if a lot of people would, you know, understand that, um, you know, that type of behavior is not condoned in the first place. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I have, I guess I have a different thought about, um, especially domestic violence. You know, I'm like, you know, domestic violence is caused by whatever the reason is, but I'm like, you know, if you like beat your wife, like, should you even have a wife in the first place? <laughs> well, maybe, maybe, the you dilemma. Maybe, maybe you don't need relationship training. Just don't have a relationship. <laughs> I wish it was that easy, right? I know. I mean, it's the the dilemma is that it never starts that way, right? Like, if it started that way, then, you know, people wouldn't be staying with these people. Uh, yeah. But, it, it, you know, it's kind of like the, the boiling frog metaphor. Um, you know, if you put a, a frog in boiling water, it's going to try to hop out and be screaming and trying to escape. But if you put them in lukewarm water and you slowly, you know, uh, increase and increase the temperature, the frog doesn't notice that it's boiling. And you could just literally just, you know, boil it alive and it won't even notice. And uh, that's a good metaphor, not just for yeah. domestic violence, but for many things in the world. Even if we think about this pandemic, the things that are happening with the government, right? we have to start or even being assertive right we have to be able to start intervening not when things are like a 10 out of 10 not when you're on fire but when things are like a four out of 10 of bad right i kind of feel Uh, like we're the frog right now we are we are the frog right now absolutely we're sitting in lukewarm water i i think i think we're at like 80 degrees i think it's beyond lukewarm (laughs) we're we're a little higher temperature than lukewarm at this point Yeah, we just have to jump out of the pot and turn the heat off, right? Right, right. <laughs> Understand where we're going so we can make change now versus later because later could be too late. Right, right. Better to have more preventative measures than than um, just like dealing with what comes up, right? But yeah. rather being able to predict what may come up and being more prepared for it. It's the same thing that a good entrepreneur will always say, like, let's be uh, proactive, not reactive. That's that's the, yeah. exactly what I was trying to say. Thank you for articulating that so so clearly. I probably I probably, <laughs> use, I probably use that phrase at least twice a week with our team. I'm always like, listen, uh, you know, these types of scenarios, customer service, whatever it is, like, you know, we've got to be proactive, not reactive. We've got to, you know, uh, be there with a solution before the solution is asked for because we've dealt with it before. You know, it's like. You know, if you use COVID-19 as a perfect example, especially with businesses, right? It's like, all right, 
boom, we got hit with COVID-19. I'm a business owner. I had no clue this came out of the blue. I didn't even have this in my five-year prospectus plan. I had no fallback plan. I had no, right. you know, in the event of this type of emergency, you know, what are some procedures or protocols to put in place as a business owner? And so then it's like, okay, happened to me. All right, got it. Sh- shame on the world. I need to be better prepared. But if it happens a second time and you're not prepared for that, that is definitely shame on you, right? Um, because right. you know that it exists. And so it's important if you're going to uh, be a smart business person in the future, you've got to say, hey, well, this happened to me one time. What's my plan in case it happens again? Right. And even if it's not shame on you or it doesn't matter whose shame it is on, the consequences are on you regardless. Right. So even the (laughs) first time it may not be your fault, but it's your responsibility to fix like the consequences still land on you. So, yeah. Yeah. Like a bad relationship. Right. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right, right. It's it's like if, if I get hit by a car and, and I'm paralyzed, it may not be my fault. Maybe the other person was drunk, but it's my responsibility to then do physical therapy and take care of myself and heal and get better quicker, right? And and, and do the right, uh, you know, therapies and work that I need to do to heal as quickly as possible, right? Yeah, I agree. Thank you so much for being on, Dr. Abby Lev. We really appreciate all of your wonderful insights. Uh, I think we had a great conversation today just, uh, you know, about the, the the status of mental health and, and re- emotions and relationships at this hard and trying time. And, you know, I want to urge everybody to, you know, go check out uh, your website at uh, cbtonline.com. Uh, and then, of course, I'm sure you have some uh, social medias and all that kind of stuff that people can follow. So what's the other ways people can get a hold of you outside? the website I have another website the Bay Area CBT Center so it's bayareacbtcenter.com and I also have a face group for bayareacbtcenter.com awesome well thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Finding Your Frequency and I want to urge all the listeners that are out there that are listening to the show uh, whether it be on Apple Podcasts or Google or whatever your favorite podcatcher is uh, make sure to rate the show five stars not four because that me you know me and with the doc we, we deserve five stars not four <laughs> <laughs> touche <laughs> Dr. Abby Lev, thank you so much for joining us on Finding Your Frequency we really appreciate it Ladies and gentlemen, make sure you stay tuned to Finding Your Frequency as we release new episodes every Friday with fantastic guests around great topics that really matter. Uh, really hope that uh, you guys can send us some email feedback, info at voiceamerica.com. Uh, we'd love to hear from you about this show or any show or, of course, any topics or subjects that you want to cover on Finding Your Frequency. I'm your host, Ryan Treasure. Thank you again for tuning in to Finding Your Frequency right here on Voice America, the leader in live Internet talk radio.